Hi everybody, welcome back to Beyond the Textbook. Today I have the wonderful Winston with us, uh, all the way from Canada, but he's also um, a resident teacher here at Elite. Welcome Winston. Hi Aisha. Hi everyone. Hi. And uh, so today we're going to talk about the question, should everyone be bilingual? So perhaps before we start, we will say, talk about a little bit about the parameters of our discussion today. So we're going to talk about the pros and cons of a non-native English speaker learning two languages or knowing two languages. And then we're going to talk about the pros and cons of a native English language person knowing two languages. Sure. So let's start off with uh, Winston, if you could tell me um, an idea you have, some ideas you have about some of the pros, uh, positive sides of non-native English speakers learning more than one language. Well, for all of our listeners there, um, they're probably already studying English, so they're probably already bilingual, uh, or at least a little bit. Um, I can't see any downside to learning another language, uh, learning anything, another skill or another language or any anything else would be pure benefit. Um, so uh, for a non-native speaker to learn a language like English, obviously it would, would broaden their career opportunities, it would um, widen their, their travel opportunities, um, you know, being able to communicate with a larger number of people out there. Um, and I think that um, that's actually also true. We, we always automatically assume that the second language is going to be English. But, but, but what about like um, Korean and Russian? Sure. You know, I mean, yeah. today, like especially in the business world today, uh, Mandarin Chinese is a huge and important language. Um, Arabic is, is a language that is becoming more and more important these days, not just, you know, in one part of the world, but across, across the whole world. Uh, Spanish is so widely spoken around the world, too. So there's lots of languages that are, you know, becoming or are just as important as, as English. So, you know, learning a third or fourth language is probably more realistic, especially for a lot of our listeners now. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, one thing, as you said, um, having having at least another language is actually uh, positive just like for your for your mind i mean you're expanding your mind more uh, because when you take on another language it's not just about being able to communicate you're taking all the cultural things that are involved in that language as well sure and you, you're really broadening your perspective on the world and and people and us as a global uh, community yeah and you're probably learning to use your brain in different ways that you're not using it on a daily basis and, yeah yeah so and, and and pronunciation I know for example with Arabic there's some there's some sounds I can't make and I yes. <laughs> I try and the Arab students try to help me to do it and uh, it's just quite good to understand that we don't all just speak you know it's not just the words in the languages it's actually the the formation of the sounds is different and so many things that just expand our um, our skills and you know yeah it, yeah so um, okay so that's that's one of, that's a couple of pros uh, again for non-native English uh, speakers this time let's look at some of the negatives what would some non-native English uh, students say do you think I think they're I mean for some um, for some languages and nationalities I, I guess it'd be a concern that um, making that that language obsolete so 
if um, I don't know if I'm from some country that's you know a smaller country and the less or and that language is only spoken in that country of let's say five million people. Um, if they learn, if the people of that country learn English as a second language and become more proficient, does their native language become obsolete or become or, or risk becoming obsolete? That's true, uh, because people can end up thinking that English is the only language to know and what's the point, um, but we forget, like you say, how much culture and tradition is held inside the language, the person's own native language. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so we've talked about non-native English speakers. What about native English? This is the tough one. <laughs> Trying to convince an American or an Australian, you've got to know two languages. Well, yeah, I mean, being Canadian, um, I, not being able to speak French uh, well, actually not even being able to speak it at all, um, I do feel as, uh, a little bit limited. Uh, have Had I known how important learning a second language is, I probably would have, have kept um, my French and my 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 mother tongue, um, but you know it's a little bit late now. But I think, like I said before, native or non-native speaker learning anything new would be a benefit. Um, and even if you are a native English speaker, learning a second language would also help you from a career standpoint, from a travel standpoint, from even from a personal relationship standpoint. You know, if, if as a native speaker, and if I were to learn Arabic or if I were to learn Chinese, you know, I'd, I'd be able to communicate with that many more people. Right? That's that's right, and I think it's very um, it goes the same way, like you were saying about non-native English speakers uh, learning another language, for example, English, uh, helps them broaden their 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 opportunities. Same thing for native. Sure. Because. They might, um, let's say they want to do business in China, knowing Mandarin, I'm sure, would be incredibly useful for them. And actually, having done business in China and, and looking like a, a local, um, anytime the, the, you know, the factories and the, and the management of the companies, when they see, um, let, let's say, white people or native Canadians or Americans, who can actually speak Mandarin? They're so impressed, and it actually facilitates business differently. Like they, they treat them differently. They have a, a different kind of respect and a different, um, uh, what's it, what, I guess, admiration for for somebody who's learned their their mm. own language. And, mm. and business usually works out a little bit better. So, so yeah. you uh, also speak Mandarin as well? I don't. <laughs> They, I mean, okay. I look like I should, but I don't. <laughs> so when they hear me speak, they can tell I'm, you know, I, I, I grew up in Canada and, mm. and, and, mm. and they, they're shocked that I can't speak Chinese or any other Asian language. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fortunately, I'm a little bit lazy that way. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so what do you see as some of the reasons why native English speakers may not want to um, learn a second language? Well, you know, currently in today's environment, I would say that. English is the is the, I guess, dominant international language that um, you know for business, for travel, for for personal. So, um, I can see a, a native English speaker saying, "Well, if um, if Chinese becomes more important, or if Arabic becomes more important, then that lessens the importance of of English. So, you know, the 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 dominance or the importance of English 
kind of decreases if mm. other languages become you know more popular or more widely spoken so i can see that as an as an argument not to learn another language but yeah. to me it's like why limit yourself right yeah yeah and and i guess uh, another thing is a lot of uh, native english uh, speakers are uh, living and working in a world that's that's kind of very high powered in a lot of stress a lot of tension um, to, to keep up with uh, everything. The thought of taking an extra few hours a day to go off and learn a second language is just like the lowest priority they, they yeah, would consider. Yeah, the time and the money and, and the, the, the effort and the, the energy to, yeah. to learn a lot of the language would be a nuisance for some people, sure. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I guess they, they have to have a reason. I mean, I think a native, uh, like if they get a job and, and in their job they do a lot of business with China, a lot of business with, with yeah. South America or whatever, sure. they, they, they think, okay, I better learn Spanish or uh, Mandarin or Cantonese yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh, and then when the pressure comes probably from their company, then they will embrace it obviously a lot more. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I guess with anything in life, if, if the motivation comes from within, if it's a personal motivation, uh, you're probably more successful at it and probably, you know, more passionate and more willing to learn. Yeah. Whereas if your company's forcing you to learn Arabic because you're doing business with a, you know, a Middle Eastern company, then, you know, probably a lot of reluctance and a lot of, you know, pushback. And yeah. Why do I have to do this? So, yeah, um, yeah I guess it's just. To me, it's just about being open-minded and about just the willingness to learn. Like, yeah. Why not? So I want to ask you a little bit about Canada. I've also been sure. to Canada. Um, one thing that, that really struck me when I went to Canada in Toronto was how everything was bilingual. You, in the, on the road, on the signs in terms of uh, in the trains and the uh, buses so on, everything was English and French. And yet... I never <laughs> met anyone who spoke French in, in Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. So, what's your feeling? Do you, do you think that that was like a waste of time for the government to um, do that? I, don't, I, I have mixed opinions about it, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, in terms of signage and like road signs and, and packaging and stuff like that, it's all government regulated. So, um, I mean, it's, it's law, like the, the on packaging for any kind of goods. The French has to be equal in size and in dominance to English, and that's because of, of Quebec and, and, and our language, language laws. Um, I think there's, uh, you know, coming from a, a family, my, my parents were immigrants, so um, when I was growing up, our priority was learning English. So yeah. um, it wasn't, you know, you know, there wasn't a big push for us to continue. We had to learn French in school, but there wasn't a big push for us to make sure that it was as good as our English. It was mm. just make sure English, English, English. Mm. Um, now, you know, if, if I was growing up now or if I had kids growing up in Canada now, I would be, you know, really, I would be really pushing the, the, the importance of learning French. French is a huge language around the world. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, le learning those two languages and even keeping my, my original mother tongue, that, I mean, all those would have been just beneficial for, for me and, mm. you know, as an adult in, in the working world. So. Mm. I know actually, and a lot of people don't know this if, they, if, they, if you've never been to New Zealand, um, New Zealand has the same policy as Canada in the sense that everything is in English and Maori. 
and yet the number of people who actually speak Māori in New Zealand is like 1% or even less than that, <laughs> Probably, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Um, but the reason why the New Zealand government did that, as far as I know, some people might uh, argue with me, is, is more of a political statement, which means that they wanted to uh, recognise the Māori culture and tradition by, uh, and also the Māori's were the first uh, people there before um, the English, so it was part of a political movement to uh, bring back the, the tradition and the culture of the Maori through the language and having it as part of the government policy to have it everywhere uh, in terms of uh, everything related to government. Would that be, would it be a political thing also in Canada? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, there's, I, I'm not a historian by any means, but there's, I mean, throughout Canada's history, there's been attempts by Quebec to separate, and a lot of it is is for preservation of their culture and the language. Mm. So, mm. I, you know, it, yeah, it is. Um, and I, I mean, Canada as a bilingual country is a, a good thing, I think. Um, but I, I just, I don't know um, if it's a, you know, if it's a, if it starts at the at the home or in the home, or if it starts at school, where the push should be to, you know, for French to become more important. But you know, at the end of the day. Mm. at some point it's a personal thing too right like if mm. there's a student or a family who sees the benefit of it and pushes the student to continue then why not yeah, yeah. and but I have also been to Montreal yes. and I notice everyone speaks French <laughs> they okay so yeah. everyone speaks French but uh, most people can speak English as but well they'll also yeah. try to pretend like <laughs> yeah they, they can't speak yeah English. exactly so, you know yeah. they'll, they'll yeah. push the French first and then if if it really becomes a struggle that most of them can speak or a lot of them can speak English yeah yeah so it's interesting looking at the question again should everyone be bilingual there are obviously some countries like New Zealand and Canada who have made a political decision okay we want to try to uh, encourage our citizens to be bilingual for for political reasons for preservation of culture for um, building a good uh, uh, like Quebec and, and, and Ontario, uh, good interstate inter relations yeah, and so yeah, on. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you and I, of course, are questioning how effective was that. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, as you say, it comes down to the person's personal choice, yes, really. Yeah. And I, I think that I agree with you. I think everyone should be bilingual. Um, but unfortunately, I think the reality is is it's, it all comes down to necessity, really. Yes. And, yeah. and this is, uh, again, this is the thing right now. Um, being a native English speaker is probably a, a benefit right now. But who's to say in five years, ten years, that, that Chinese or, or Arabic or Spanish don't become more important than, than or more widely spoken than, than English, right? So, yeah. So, yeah, for the time being, English might be the, the dominant language, but who knows, right? Um, if, That's right. So forward thinkers would be like, I tell my students now, I always tell them, okay, they have Arabic and they're learning English, which is great. Most of our students have Arabic. Mm. So if there are some students who also want to pick up some Mandarin and, and Chinese, or Chinese or some, some dialect of Chinese, mm. so they'd be at a, a great advantage to have three of the most widely spoken languages, you know, the, the 
world's kind of yes. an oyster at that point, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. So I think I think at the end of the day we can agree that it's a really good thing for sure. everyone to yeah. be bilingual, yeah. and um, let's let's uh, see what everybody else thinks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Winston. But we have one last thing before you go. Actually, sure. I have a question. We're starting to to have questions from our students. Oh, okay. They ask a question. And I, I'm giving it to you completely cold. <laughs> yes. Okay. This is this is uh, from um, a student um, who is in pre-intermediate. He's in our class. Okay. Uh, our school, sorry. And he's from Algeria. Okay. <laughs> and um, he's also finding that I just have to. Just wait for one minute while I get this. Uh, okay, now I know the question. Okay, here's the question. His name is Yusuf. He's from Algeria. And he's asking the question, um, when I first started learning English, I wanted to go home and revise my studies every day. Okay. But what I found was when I got home, I just didn't know where to start because there seems so much to learn. What should I do? <laughs> uh, I guess it depends on the level and the lesson for the day. Um, I think if, uh, I mean, if it's a, s a specific piece of grammar that was being taught and practiced that day, I would go and probably review the, the uses and the forms, how do I use it, when do I use it, that kind of, in, that kind of, of, of information in that detail. Um, review that first, kind of jog the memory as, okay, why did we learn uh, present perfect today? Okay, it's, it's for these uses and this is how we make it. Um, in every class, well, there will be some form of, of written exercises, so probably review the exercises to kind of jog the memory. And then um, if there were any uh, reading materials, they'd probably be in the book, or if there were any handouts, review that. Um, mm. And if you can, if he can, um, if he has a roommate or if he has some friends who are also studying, um, kind of pra practice or go over the, the, any of the questions or any of the speaking exercises that they so, were. So what, how long would you recommend someone to to revise, like daily? They've, they've done the course, they go home. Um, I, I guess it, it depends on, on time. I mean, for for language, I mean, if, if he's reviewing and revising, like speaking, just speaking all the time would be revision, right? So yeah. if he's, if he practices just speaking English at all at all times, even with his roommates or even, at, you know, if he's out in the malls or out on the street hanging out with his friends or whatever, um, spe speaking English at all the times, that would be re reviewing and revising yeah. um, by default. Um, but formally with his notes and stuff, mm. an hour, an hour and a half. Mm. I mean, it depends on on if he grasps the concept and, he, and he's comfortable using it, then maybe there's no need to re revise. But if it's a new concept or a new or difficult one for him to understand, then maybe, you know, uh, practicing some reading and, and maybe even watching some TV or listening to some music with with the grammar. Yeah, concepts. I think I think one of the um, one of the things I can see happening um, is 
okay, like you say, um, you learned a concept that day, you go home and yes, you can practice your speaking and so on. But I think a lot of our students, they want to take out that textbook again. They want to have a look at what they did that day. And I agree with you, all those things. Um, and maybe um, where some of them get a bit confused is let's say they are studying present, present perfect and they didn't quite get it. So what they do is they go online and they look at a whole lot of questions and, and, yes. and then they get even more confused. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I have students, or maybe daily or every other day, they'll, they'll say, teacher, I saw this on YouTube and, and I don't understand. It's not how you explained it to us. And, and then, okay, so can you show me the website so I can see? And most of the times they won't remember. But the odd time they'll remember, you know, they'll send me or, or we'll look it up at, at the computer and... You know, I'll, 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 I'll watch it and I'll think, okay, some of it could be um, they misinterpreted what, what the, the, the video was saying. But there are also there are videos with, with false information or incorrect information, which, you know, is, uh, unfortunately, you, you can't stop a student from, from watching specific videos yeah. um, and no one's policing the content. So yeah. I always tell them, like, you know, maybe if you're looking up a new concept like present perfect or something try two or three different sources yes. because one maybe you know it's just somebody decided to put up their own video and it's not 100 percent correct or it's not accurate whatever mm. um it's always good to kind of verify mm. from another website or even mm. verify with me or verify against the textbook mm. that you know what you just saw is 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 accurate right? yeah because i think that's actually a very good point is to not just stick with that one thing and say there you go yeah. i don't understand yeah. don't understand that either yeah um, and and yeah. sometimes it could just be a mistake that was you know i mean we catch mistakes in our textbooks even exactly. they're printed materials by experts and, and stuff yeah. so um it, it's possible that it's just a mistake or a typo or something like that but it i mean it never hurts to to kind of double check that that information yeah and I think um, one thing that I think, uh, I mean, students don't necessarily need to know this, but I'll say it anyway. Um, we as teachers, when we prepare additional revision for students on, a, let's say, present perfect, we are very careful to select activities that will be able to reinforce what we taught them. Yes. Not yeah. just anything off the internet, bang, there you go, because people uh, even even online they're teaching present perfect but they'll they might be coming from a whole other angle yeah yeah uh, which can make it very confusing sure, so yeah. I mean you know our textbook will teach a certain concept uh, like present perfect under a specific context for example traveling right but another textbook or a teacher like you said a teacher might be doing it from the the context of work experience or some other you know some other context which different vocabulary and different uh, maybe potentially different uses and, and stuff like that mm. so yeah um, it it might be that the concept or the the explanation is correct but the context is a little bit different which could be confusing as well yeah so maybe the best thing is to really look at what was covered that day like you say yeah and if there were any uh, any things that they got wrong I know they do write the correct answer in there when, when you review it in the class but then to perhaps just ask themselves, do I understand why that is the correct answer? Yes, yeah. Um, and there's always the chance to come back the next day and say, teacher, yesterday, you know, number seven, I, I didn't really get it. Can you go over that again? Yeah. And uh, 
I think that's probably the best way for I always the encourage to the students to, you know, when you're doing your homework or when you're looking over your notes, if something is confusing, then ask me again the next day. Yeah. If you don't get it, say that you don't get it because if, I mean, I'm not going to know that you don't understand it. That's so, right. Yeah, yeah. I need to know that you don't understand so I can try and explain it in a different way or yeah. have, uh, get other students to help explain it or get other students to say, hey, this is why, you know, and, you know, it helps them practice. It, it, there's just so many benefits to asking the question if you, if you yeah, don't understand. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I hope that's helped your question, uh, helped us. I hope this has helped answer your question, Yusuf. <laughs> And uh, we wish you all the best with your studies this month. And also, thank you, Winston, again, you. for your input. Thank you. And we thank you all for listening. And uh, don't forget, if you have a question for us, please email me at info, that's I-N-F-O, at EliteLC.com. And uh, we will put your question into our next podcast. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.